You're listening to the Wool Academy podcast. This is episode number 98. Hello and welcome. My name is Elizabeth Van Delden and once a week we talk to an industry expert from the wool industry supply chain from farm to fashion and beyond, delivering strategies and insights to be successful in wool and showcasing those beautiful stories wool has to tell. My guest today is Gudrun Rockvadotir. Gudrun is the co-founder behind the label Gudrun and Gudrun, based on the Faroe Islands. Today we will learn more about the Gudrun and Gudrun knitwear brand, as well as about sheep and wool from the Faroe Islands. Welcome Gudrun to the show. How are you today? Thank you. Very good. Fine. <laughs> I would like to ask you to give us an introduction about yourself and your career. And also, please introduce your brand, Gudrun and Gudrun, to us. Yeah, I'm uh, Gudrun Rokodetter. I'm half uh, half of the network company Gudrun and Gudrun. Uh, that was founded in uh, 2002, together with uh, Gudrun Ludwig, the designer. And we are a designer company specialized in handnet, and we are based on the Fair Islands. And how did you come up with the idea for Gudrun and Gudrun? Um, I met the other Gudrun in the uh, year 2000. We are both Faroese. Uh, we both grew up on the Faroe Islands. Uh, and we both have been abroad as well, studying. Uh, Gudrun Ludwig studied to be a designer. I studied political science. Uh, and I had a completely different career at the time. I was... Um, I was a consultant in the in a in a consultancy in Denmark, working with European Union projects in in Eastern Europe and in the Middle East. And um, but every time uh, I came to the Faroe Islands, uh, uh, I saw uh, the uh, in summertime during shearing time uh, uh, there were big bonfires with the wool being burned because suddenly there was no uh, there was no use of the wool. Um, it was like during the very uh, uh, fast-going 90s, uh, people wanted to look uh, uh, abroad. They didn't want to, uh, they didn't suddenly treasure uh, the local um, materials we had and so on. And I really found found this a pity. So I, uh, I knew there was a designer called Gudrun Ludwig. I contacted her and said, This is something we have to do something about because this is breaking my heart. We grew up on the Faroe Islands and we always learned to take very good care of the resources and uh, and we have to do something about this. And what did she say? <laughs> yeah, she was enthusiastic because uh, she had uh, just returned uh, to the Faroe Islands a couple of years before and, uh, and had found it very difficult to... Um, Uh, to find her way in uh, as a designer because there was absolutely no uh, designer environment. Uh, there were no materials. Uh, she was actually at that time very much educated in, in, in sewing. And uh, it was very difficult for her to, to, to find a way to work with her um, uh, To work with the design, <clears throat> so so she was happy to uh, uh, to meet somebody that that could take like the other part of it, the other end, uh, because very often if you have a, uh, have a designer, uh, they have a lot of creative energy bubbling, but uh, they might need somebody uh, more strategic to take uh, the other part to 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 make it work. 
So um, like from, from day one, it just clicked really well between the two of us. And um, and we felt all all the time that we were like stealing time, stealing time from the family, stealing time from the jobs we had. So we were working during the weekends and uh, in the evenings and during the holidays to, um, to get something built up. Yeah, and how would you describe your collection our listeners can't see um, your products right now as they're listening so how would you describe your collection um, our collections are very timeless uh, we could easily take a collection from now and switch it to the collection five years ago and uh, nobody would say it was wrong uh, We don't have uh, like the, the purple of the year or, or the balloon skirt of the year or something. We have uh, like the, the whole background and the inspiration for the collections. Um, uh, like the whole way of working is very different from uh, how other designers work. Uh, uh, the designer gets inspiration from, uh, from the nature, from landscape, uh, from uh, people on the street, from old uh, stories uh, and so on. So the collections are, uh, yeah, they are hand-knitted and it, it shows, of course, that they're all hand-knitted. Uh, they are timeless and they're always uh, the best natural materials are used for it. Okay, and is it only knitwear or also um, other... We are, yeah, we are a pure knitwear company and mm -hmm. uh, as far as I know, uh, there are, yeah, yeah, there are very, very few... Uh, companies that do develop whole collections in, in pure hand net because, and it's important to say when we talk about hand net, it's not hand loom machines or anything. It's hand net, one woman, two needles. That's hand net for us. <laughs> uh, so, um, so all the pieces are developed um, by hand uh, and, uh, and it is by hand uh, for production. Okay. And where, where do you sell your products and who would be your typical customer? We do sell our products and we, we do have a, uh, a flagship store here on the Faroe Islands. We have a web shop and, uh, and we have uh, about um, uh, 60 uh, wholesale customers uh, around the world, all, all the way from yeah, Belgium, Italy, uh, the US, Japan, uh, China, uh, scattered around. So we have some very carefully picked uh, uh, retailers that do carry our products. Yeah, and where, before we talk a little bit more about your company, I would like to talk a little bit more specifically about the Faroe Islands and also about the wool that you source. So maybe start off by telling us about the Faroe Islands. I'm sure not that many people listening have had the chance to visit the Faroe Islands. How, how what is it like? Uh, the Faroe Islands... Uh There are some small spots in the middle of the North Atlantic. And if you look on a world map, if you're really lucky, you'll see some tiny spots there. I've also experienced trying to show people my country and there was no dot. Uh, but it's there, I can promise you. And <laughs> we are only, we are only 50,000 people living there. Uh, so um, the Faroe Islands are very much uh, shaped by the fact that we are a dot in the North Atlantic. So we are very dependent on, uh, even though we are a very modern society, we are very dependent on being this spot in the ocean. And I think that makes the nature uh, of the people of the Faroe Islands. Uh, I think we are 
closer to nature uh, than uh, a lot of um, more urban uh, people are. Uh, it is true that sometimes you cannot leave the country because the weather is not good enough or that you have to postpone uh, what you are supposed to do today because there's a huge winter storm or whatever and you adapt and you accept the living conditions uh, uh, people might think like in the modern world it couldn't be that much you can like force uh, uh, your plans through but on the fair wireless you will realize you cannot uh, so you are very much dependent on nature and you work with nature instead of working against nature i would say Okay, that sounds a really yeah, interesting and different way of living. And you use a lot of wool uh, from the Faroe Islands, so can you tell us more about the sheep and their wool? Um, uh, we uh, we do have a lot of, when I was talking about uh, natural resources on the Faroe Islands, we do not have a lot of resources. We have fish and we have sheep and that's basically it because we cannot uh, cultivate uh, the uh, the land because uh, there's too much salt in the air and it's too windy and it's too cold. So basically what we have, we have grass. We don't have any trees, we have grass. And all over the islands, there are a lot of sheep. Uh, as we are 50,000 people, the sheep outnumber us uh, by far. We have about uh, 75 or 80,000 sheep on the Faroe Islands. And, um, and those are sheep that uh, came to the Faroe Islands uh, with the Vikings and, uh, and uh, they have uh, adapted and developed um, uh, through, uh, throughout the years. So it's now uh, a special Faroe breed uh, that can survive uh, because they, uh, they live in the mountains all year round uh, without any um, uh, extra feed or anything. They live on the unfertilized grass uh, in the mountains. Uh, but of course, to to adapt to uh, to the weather conditions on the Faroe Islands, they have um, developed this very special wool, uh, where they have um, uh, the very soft wool inside near to the skin, and then like a double layer of wool and. Uh, uh, a more uh, itchy, harsher uh, uh, wool at the outside uh, to keep the water out. Um, so, so this, and also to keep out the the the, the rain, uh, they have they have uh, uh, a lot of uh, lanolin uh, in um, in the wool, a lot of natural oils. So actually, when you when you do a shearing time, when you shear them. You can take a piece of, of wool and like uh, uh, use it as like a, a hand cloth on your on your hands, and it's like a hand cream. <laughs> it's a lot of um, it's a lot of uh, of, uh, of oil mm -hmm. uh, of oil in the wool, <laughs> uh, and uh, and also the sheep have um, they have very special colors. Uh, they are spotted, uh, so there are a lot of uh, different shades of um, uh, of the sheep. They can be uh, go all the way from white to black in a different colors of uh, different shades of um, of brown and also in different shades of uh, of gray. But also they can be spotted. Uh, so um, the wool we use from the Faroe Islands, a lot of it we use uh, on diet. So it's just separated uh, and um, is washed and separated and and then spun. So. Uh, and there are no uh, chemicals used. There are no dye. There's no dyeing being used. So it's a 
very, very pure um, material that comes out of it. And even if you have um, knitted a full sweater, you can, you, can, uh, you can smell the lamp in it. It's very important for us not to destroy uh, the characteristics of the wool by using any chemicals. Yeah, that sounds interesting. And do you use the soft part and the coarse part of the wool? So you use everything? Uh, yeah, yeah, but uh, like in old times when you have uh, when you had like oceans of time, you can spend a lot, a lot of time sorting the wool. So you can use like the inner wool and sort it from 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 the outer wool. But uh, it's extremely time consuming, and uh, it wouldn't be possible to do it in a way that can uh, where you can earn money on, uh, uh, on the wool. So so. Um, so we uh, we do have different qualities, but the very very fine wool we could get, we that's not being exploited at the time, and uh, and we have been there have been a lot of uh, projects trying to work further with this, and and hopefully also in the future they will be able to do it again because it is possible to get very very soft fur with wool, and but that's not at all uh, what. The reputation is for fur with wool. It's really um, rough and uh, and has a very rough look, and that's what we like a lot. It's very matte. That's what we like a lot as well. But it's also quite itchy, and that's that's what a uh, a lot of our customers have have problems with. So so we do use a lot of different wool as well. And the wool that from the Faroe Islands does that get processed on the Faroe Islands, or do you have to ship it somewhere else first? Uh, unfortunately, we do not. We we have not the capacity to to um, uh, to to do everything on the Faroe Islands. In the old times, you can have those small washeries and and and, and spinneries and everything here. But now, it's. Uh, even though we have about uh, 50 ton of, uh, of fair with wool a year, and that might sound a lot, but uh, if you're talking about a, a washing facility, for example, usually now we, we send it to Scotland to get washed, and the, whole, the wool of the, of the entire Faroe Islands can be washed in Scotland in one day. So like the, the, the entities are so big that it's really difficult to, to argue and to, to, to make it workable also economically to have all processes back on the Faroe Islands. We would love to have that the wool would never leave the Faroe Islands before it was made and sold. But, uh, but you also have to have a realistic view on it and, um, if 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 you are making some goods that are so expensive but that nobody can uh, can 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 even buy it, then it's not a way of of of, um, of helping the uh, uh, helping uh, like uh, the peasants or or helping anybody to get it used. You'll have to be realistic as well. Yeah, that's for sure. But then once you have the hand knitting yarn, it comes back partially also to the Faroe Islands, but you also, to be knitted, but you also knit some of your products in Peru and Jordan. Please tell us a little bit more about these women who are creating these beautiful products. Uh, the product, the, the, the project in Jordan uh, came alive in a long time ago, so almost 10 years ago now, uh, at the point where we um, had difficulties finding uh, more uh, knitters on the Faroe Islands. As uh, all the knitters on the Faroe Islands, they are uh, like part-time knitters. They don't, they're not employed by us, but they do it like uh, 
besides uh, beside other jobs and so on. And uh, and then we try to uh, to to look for 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 uh, for other pro- pro- production countries or, or, or cooperation partners. And uh, after having uh, a really bad uh, experience with some some uh, dialogue with some Chinese, uh, um, where I asked for for wor- the working conditions of uh, uh, of the people and. Uh, uh, and they told me that they were just like, they told me actually, I'll go to the poorest village, I'll blow my whistle and they will come crawling. And then I realized I have to do something completely different because um, this is not how I, uh, how I wanted uh, to, to have my company. Um, as when you, when you start your company uh, very near to where you are and the knitters uh, are either family or friends, of course you will have to, um, uh, you will have to treat uh, employees elsewhere in the same way. So, uh, uh, and that's where I, I was thinking of um, my Jordanian um, friends. Um, at a point uh, in my former job, I was I was stationed in Jordan, and um, and we were talking about that it would be great if you were able to give those women an opportunity to uh, to earn your own money. Uh, as they were very bound to the uh, traditional uh, society where they couldn't take a, a normal job outside the house because of their family role. And um, if we are talking about uh, women empowerment, we always believe that uh, uh, having the opportunity to earn your own money is the first step to, uh, to women empowerment. Uh, if you have money in your pocket, you have a, a bigger say in your own life and you can decide much more of what you uh, uh, where you want to go uh, so um, so we established uh, the uh, the um, the project in Jordan uh, I have a very good coordinator uh, of the project she is the the former police director of Jordan so she's a tough woman and she was appointed by the UN to lead the uh, the um, uh, education of the Iraqi uh, police force after the uh, after the war. So she's uh, she's a very structured and strict woman that knows what she's talking about, and uh, and she has been our coordinator for the project for the last ten years, and it's uh, very warming and and. Uh, uh, fantastic to see also what kind of difference like a small company like like us uh, can do and uh, like strengthening our thought of uh, all of us can do a small difference um, uh, and we have stories about those women there are uh, Syrian refugees for example that are uh, supporting the family by by uh, knitting for us and uh, we had this very touching story about this uh, young uh, girl that came from Syria and, uh, and she was pregnant when she arrived and uh, because uh, she knitted for us she had uh, the opportunity to pay for giving birth in a clinic in a hospital um, so it's um, not very much like uh, Excel sheets and uh, and uh, uh, trying to earn a dollar extra here and there. We are paying very good wages for them, and uh, and it's really rewarding to see that you're that you're able to do a difference for those people. Yeah, that is really amazing. And and yeah, it's be, behind each product. There's a very individual story of a woman. Um, 
And what I like, and what I like very much is also because I've been working a lot with projects in my in, in my former jobs also, and and I know that uh, good projects are very simple projects, and this is very simple. They need a sweater if it's uh, if it if if it's acceptable. Uh, uh, Quality-wise, they get their money. It's like very, very simple. And I know also that good projects are projects that are supported by their families, not least their men. And um, and we have a lot of the same women that started in the project because this is not a dangerous pr- project for their men either because uh, <coughs> they they meet in this. Um, they meet with us, they meet with other women, uh, they knit at home, so the dinner is still on the table at the right time, uh, and, and they get some money home. So uh, so it's it's a, it's a very, um, it's, it's not a, a project with any conflict uh, family-wise, so, so that's also why it works so well. Yeah, excellent. And is it similar in Peru that you also... Yeah, in Peru, it's it's we still work with uh, women communities. We have a coordinator uh, that's a little bit different. It's like a small sourcing uh, agency, a, a Danish and a, a Peruvian uh, girl that have them. Uh, they have this company together, but they still outsource uh, the um, the production to the women. And every time we are in Peru, we go we go to the uh, to the area south of Peru. Uh, uh, where you cannot go with a normal taxi because people would never find them, so they will send a send a car for us and take us to uh, take us to their houses, and um, and when we arrive, they will like shout out in the street, "Now they're here!" and uh, and all the neighbors will come, all the netters will come, and we have a chat with them, and they tell us stories of their life for the last year, and we tell them what's happening in the company, and uh, they serve us food, and um, it's a very um, um, it's a very close relationship we have uh, with those women, and we have we meet them year after year. So it's very comforting also to show. And they say, "Come on, come on, let me show you in my house this wall <laughs> here. This wall here, it was it was made from the money we got last year." Oh. <laughs> um, so suddenly, having a company and running a company is not only a question of. Uh, as I say, like the Excel uh, sheet, if um, if uh, if the profit is going up uh, or or how much is going up, for us it's also really important to 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 keep the production, to keep um, to 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 also to grow the company because it means that we are still able to help those people. So when we are so we are blessed both by Allah and by uh, uh, by Jesus Maria every time we are in Jordan and Peru and they. Pray for us to to be able to um, to um, to uh, uh, to give them some jobs because it's really important for them. So suddenly it's not a, only a, a question of us uh, having a job, but also about uh, uh, supporting other people. So you feel a certain uh, responsibility for, for for those women that you have. Uh, you know their faces. You know their kids. Uh, you have been to their house. So. Uh, for us, it's really important to uh, to have looked into the eyes of of every knitter, uh, and in that way, uh, you would never uh, tell them uh, to have uh, not a decent pay, for example. And it's the trust between us is really important. Yeah, I cannot believe that. And just a curious, out of curiosity, is there a difference in how? The women knit in Peru or in Jordan or in the Faroe Islands? Are there like cultural differences in, in techniques, etc.? 
it's really interesting actually you can have the same result of knitting different ways like even on the Faroe Islands and Denmark we don't knit the same way um, and in Jordan sometimes they have like uh, the thread around their neck and uh, and they hold the thread different and uh, and also if they are uh, making intarsia if they're making patterns with different uh, like with different yarns with different colors they uh, they have like the uh, uh, the inside out of their knitting and they knit completely differently and uh, the backside looks beautiful because the threads are not so long uh, but we cannot figure out how they do it but it's beautiful <laughs> so it's very, <laughs> it's really really interesting to see mm-hmm. yeah That's yeah cool. yeah okay I'll, i'm gonna do a little jump in my question because uh, it, um, I, i read that you also have a very famous jumper that appeared in one of the Danish series called The Killing. And tell us more about the story behind this one famous jumper you have. Yeah, sometimes things just happen uh, like by luck or uh, without anybody knowing what what they will lead to. We were at a a fair in Denmark uh, showing our collections and And there was a there was a stylist from a stylist from DR in the Danish National Broadcasting, uh, and said, "Ah, we are going to make this uh, TV series, and we might want to to use some sweaters. Uh, can I maybe can I borrow a couple of those to see if this is, would be interesting for them?" And well, she borrowed them, and we got them back, and uh, and not and. Uh, And uh, say, oh, could we have some of those? So we produced some of uh, some of this specific sweater for them. And not until the uh, uh, after a couple of years, uh, the air the show was airing, and and suddenly we saw this this the sweater, and that she was wearing it all the time. And after a couple of um, uh, after a couple of like uh, was like a a very. Uh, well-marketed uh, uh, production. So uh, after a couple of Sundays where it was shown and she was wearing the sweater all the time, people started asking, well, why is she wearing that sweater all the time? And who made that sweater? What kind of sweater is that? And then the whole, like, uh, the whole uh, kind of circus started around the circus, uh, around the sweater. So it was really funny and really interesting. And... Um, Yeah, and at a certain point, uh, I think there was more there was more talk about the um, uh, about the sweater than it was about uh, the actress or the the, the series. Um, and the whole like part of the story was that she had uh, she was about to move to Sweden, and then she had to take this criminal case, uh, and that's why she was she didn't have her clothes with her, and she was wearing the the she was wearing the sweater throughout the whole series. Oh, and, okay. and so, so, uh, so it was a, a lot of uh, of talk about that. So that was very good for us in terms of of like awareness, um, uh, brand awareness. Uh, but then, uh, a couple of years after, um, the series was uh, was uh, sent in uh, in BBC Six. Uh, usually, a channel that's not very much seen because. Uh, uh, The British or, or uh, U.S. Uh, uh, like English-speaking people are, are not very used to see um, to see any series with uh, with foreign language uh, with subtitles, 
but somehow it became really a cult to see the killing, and uh, and suddenly like the the orders were flowing from um, uh, from uh, from the UK, and uh, there was a lot of t- attention with press, and uh, there was basically a whole summer where me and the other Gudrun we were um, tourist guides for 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 for, for the UK press. Uh, we had uh, the Guardian, the Independent, the Times. We had all the uh, all the big. Um, uh, newspapers and magazines and uh, and uh, and uh, TV uh, stations and so on. So we got a lot of attention uh, from that. But but that's something that you can never foresee. Uh, we were just lucky. <laughs> and yeah. then you sold a lot of that those sweaters then as well. We sold a lot of those sweaters, yeah. <laughs> especially for especially for Christmas that year. It was uh, it was really funny and. Uh, we tried to produce and produce and produce, but there was no way for us to uh, uh, to keep uh, to keep the pace. So uh, a lot of uh, a lot of UK uh, customers got a handwritten letter from us saying, "I'm sorry, we couldn't deliver it, but uh, here is the story." And we sent them a handwritten letter, and they got the uh, the Christmas gift in, in 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 January or February. And the funny thing was that they do they did have an understanding of it, so. We, they didn't even cancel their orders. They said, "Okay, we have the story. It's okay that we get the um, the sweater in 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 the Christmas uh, uh, gift in late February if uh, if we can explain why." Yeah, I guess that shows that it's always um, the right thing to do to be just honest and transparent, and yeah, yeah, customers can understand. Another thing I read about your brand is that uh, one of your first uh, interests actually also came from Japan. What is the story behind this, and how did this come about? Uh, when we first came to, we uh, we showed in in uh, CBH Vision the, the the fair in Copenhagen uh, in uh, in 2002. Uh, first of all, we we worked with the lambskins first, and we took some of the of the hand knit that Gudrun had made for uh, uh, for her uh, muse in Denmark, Sabine Pubinel. She had been producing some sweaters for her, some hand knitted sweaters, and we took some of them as well to most to fill up because we didn't have that many styles of the of the lambskins. Um, and two very interesting things happened at that time. It was like the hand knit was the interesting part. What what customers looked at. And the second thing was that it was especially the Japanese that had a very, very close eye to us. And all the Japanese came to our stand. And uh, we have the learned afterwards that um, there is a specific aesthetic to uh, to uh, to our products and to uh, uh, to our collections that really attracts the Japanese. They do see that it's handmade. They do have an eye for the specific, um, uh, and it has shown for like all the years. There's always been a very big interest from from Japan. And um, and we have been selling to a lot of different uh, Japanese customers, also to the most uh, wanted customers like Isetan, the de- department store that's uh, like the leading department store in Asia, like uh, where everybody else has their eye. If you sell it Isetan, um, it's like a, a, a very good uh, uh, reference to have in, in the rest of Asia. Um, so, but like, World politics and crisis and uh, natural disasters—everything will 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 uh, uh, is affecting uh, 
in in a global world. So we were just signed a very big agreement with a big Japanese distributor um, today, and uh, and we sent the collection to them uh, at the same exactly the same day as the tsunami uh, uh, hit the country, and uh, and of course. Many years after the tsunami, fashion was not very interesting. It was like um, uh, people have uh, other thoughts and reflection, and uh, and but now we are also we are in a process again where we um, uh, where we are in a very close uh, talk to um, uh, to a big Japanese partner that we hope to uh, uh, to work with now. One last personal question: Do you also knit yourself? I do this myself. I'm uh, I'm afraid that now I'm too restless to do it. But I am actually a good knitter. I was knitting my first sweater when I was like 10 or something. But uh, but uh, I am too restless. Uh, I can have the knitting in my hand for 10 minutes. So what we tell everybody else that is like very meditative <laughs> knitting. For me, uh, I, I I just have a different nature. If uh, like meditation for me is. Uh, It's like um, riding my horse in the mountains of the Faroe Islands or walking the nature of the Faroe Islands. Uh, uh, sitting still is not uh, very much me. <laughs> okay, there's too much to do for you and your brand that I can yeah. understand. Well, thank you so much for your time and answering all these questions. Where can our listeners find out more about Gudrun and Gudrun? Where should they go? Uh, you can go to our website, gudrungudrun.com, and um, we will tell a bit about our stories. And uh, there are a lot of films also, uh, both from the Faroe Islands and from abroad, where we tell about our brand. So, so that's a good start. Otherwise, you could always write me a line, and I'll be happy to, to <laughs> tell you more. Excellent. Yeah, and I'll make sure, sure to link to your website on in the show notes as well. Well, thank you, Gudrun. I really pre appreciate your time and all my best wishes. Okay, thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed today's interview with Gudrun from the knitwear label Gudrun and Gudrun. If you want to find out more about Gudrun and Gudrun, then head on over to the show notes at elizabethvandelden.com forward slash 098. Once again, elizabethvandelden.com forward slash 098. Thank you for listening. Talk to you again next week and bye for now.